0: Your congregation, our focus this morning will be on the first section of First Corinthians chapter 10, and I will read at this time just verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And next week, we want to look at verse 13, but before we can get there, we have to understand what is involved in the context in, in verse 12 here, as we will see this morning. Many of you have likely heard of the hurricanes in, the, in eastern Canada and also in the United States, how that, those powerful winds and storms have made landfall and causing such destruction. You've likely seen some of the buildings that were swept right off their foundation, some swept right into the sea. But the Lord Jesus also tells a story about two houses, and children, you might remember this story, where he, the Lord Jesus told about two houses, one built on a rock, and the other built on the sand. Now, both these houses looked the same, didn't they? They both worked the same, and yet the storms came, the winds started blowing, the rain started to fall, the floods came up and pushed against the walls, and And then we saw a difference. The one remained standing and the other fell. Do you think these people were expecting these storms to hit? Not likely. Certainly not the one who built on the sand. He was not expecting such force against his house. The residents in eastern Canada this past week were not expecting this. Many were living there for many years and They only had a few days' notice of what was coming. And the same is true for us, for the storms of trials and temptations. We receive very little warning, if any, before such trials hit us. We do not know how long these storms will last. We don't know how powerful these storms will be. We don't know what kind of lasting damage these storms will leave. And it says entire houses were swept into the sea. That house that the Lord Jesus spoke about, it said great was the fall. It was gone. But when we read about these Israelites in the wilderness, it says they were destroyed under the trials and temptations. They were gone. Shortly before that storm hit on the East Coast, the people were warned to prepare. They said, make sure you have enough food and water and some supplies for 72 hours. And in a way, we do prepare where we live. We build our houses for the climate that we live in. In Canada, our houses are built to withstand the cold, the snow, the winds. But here in BC, also our houses need to be designed to withstand earthquakes to withstand the seismic loads of potential earthquakes we need to be prepared and similarly we need to be prepared in our life in our lives to face the seismic loads of temptations and trials that will shake you to the very core paul is writing here to the corinthian church to warn them that they are in the same danger of falling under the storm winds of temptation, just like Israel was in the desert. We saw last week how God makes clear that He provides everything that we need. He is a faithful God. He gives us His Word and His Spirit. And in the parable that the Lord Jesus gave he said the house that remained standing was compared to the wise man who what? The wise man who heard and did the word of God. While the house that fell was compared to the foolish man who heard God's word or didn't even hear it, but he did not obey it. The Israelites who perished in the wilderness, God says, were those who did not trust and obey him in their circumstances. And Paul is using that history as an illustration to warn us today to prepare for the trials and temptations because the only way we will be able to withstand and withstand is by being anchored in the foundation of the Word of God and in Jesus Christ himself. And in this passage... Paul is speaking in general terms of both the trials and temptations. We looked at the differences. Trials are the, for the testing of our faith that God brings. Temptations are those that draw us into sin. And Paul is here speaking of both. And so for our theme this morning, we, it is prepare to face trials and temptations. And so in the first place, we'll briefly look at his warning here. Paul is telling us, to be ready to face trials and temptations. All the houses can look the same, but they will not always stand the storm the same. You and I look very similar in many respects, but will you and I remain standing when we are put under trials and temptations? And I need to preach this to myself just as much as I need to preach it to you. Because Paul said in verse 27 of chapter 9, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul realized, as I need to, that we are also frail men. But the first thing we need to consider is who we are and where we are. When the engineer designs a building, the first thing he needs to consider is a geographical location because that will determine the design loads that need to be used. There was a company in the southern United States who designed barns, but they had one of them built in Saskatchewan. Now, they don't have snow in southern U.S., and they do in Saskatchewan, so the barn was built And it looked fine until the snow fell in the winter and it collapsed. It was not designed to withstand snow loads. And so Paul says to us here in verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Or he could say, So he who thinks he stands let him be careful not to fall. Because the question is, are you and I built to withstand the storm loads of this geographical area? Are we anchored in the foundation of Jesus Christ so that we'll be held together when the storm blows and the floods push against your walls? To stand here in this verse, it means to hold your ground and to to remain steadfast, to remain dependent on Jesus Christ by faith. Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, to remain standing in the day of trial and through the trial, not to crumble in despair and not to be drawn into sin, but to stand. So he says, take heed, which means be careful, watch, be vigilant. Because to fall means to be destroyed. Like houses swept into the sea. Houses blown over. Paul says, let him who thinks he stand. He's saying that there are some who think and look like they are standing strong. When they built that barn in Saskatchewan, it looked beautiful. It was a barn. It was serving its purpose. All the animals fit in well. And it looked good until the snow fell and it collapsed. And so Paul says to the Corinthians and to you and to me today, He who thinks he stands, take heed. Check your foundation. Check the design calculations. Is there enough strength to hold up the walls and the roof? But is that strength only coming from ourself? Is it only in the frame and not in the foundation? Is it just self-reliance? Is it just empty religion? Is it just us? Or is it God? Because Paul sees a spiritual complacency in the church of Corinth. Why? Well, he says they're living a loose life. Specifically, those who are visiting the pagan temples and participating in their feasts. Corinthians who think they have the freedom to live as they please. He says in verse 14, therefore flee from idolatry. So he says, watch carefully. So that you here today do not fall. So that you will not be destroyed in the end. Because all these trials and temptations, they will uncover what our foundation is. So where are we? What is our location? On the second place, we see the comparison that Paul makes. Verse 12 begins with the word, therefore. And that means we need to look back. If you look at verse 11, he says, Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul is using the example of the history of Israel to teach us, just like we saw last week from Psalm 78, how we are called to teach our children from generation to generation. Just like we were shown about that barn, why it collapsed, what the reasons were we needed to learn lessons from that experience, from that history, so we wouldn't make the same mistakes in the, in the future. And the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was in the wilderness 1,400 years before Christ came, approximately. The church of Corinth, Paul is writing to them about 55 years after Christ, Our geographical location is here in the Free Reformed Church in British Columbia, Canada, in the year 2022. We each face trials and temptations related to our day. But Paul here, he's drawing a comparison between us, the Corinthians, and with the Israelites. And the comparison Paul makes is that we... The Corinthians and the Israelites are all in the church. The covenant people of God. And in Hebrews 4 verse 11 it says, Don't fall, but the same example of unbelief. Hebrews 3 verse 17 says, But with whom was God angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey or believe? So he says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. The Israelites, in that sense, failed this test, failed to endure to the finish, In chapter 9, verse 24, Paul compares the Christian life to a marathon, to a race, a race of endurance. If you look at the Israelite generation, only two out of that generation entered the promised land. And Paul implies here that there are Corinthians who are in a similar danger of being disqualified in the race as he says in verse 27. And the same warning applies to the church today. Israel was part of the covenant people. Verse 1 and 2 says, we are, they were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They are all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. God delivered that whole nation of Israel. He led them all by Moses through the Red Sea. And he compares that to, to Christian baptism, identifying them as members of the church. The cloud representing God's presence and protection and leading. God separated the people to be his own covenant people. And so Paul is saying that the church in Corinth and we today are same, part of that same community separated to God through Jesus Christ. And just like Israel, they ate the same spiritual food and drink, that manna and that water that came from the rock. We also share in the Word and in the sacraments, which all point to Christ. Christ was present there in the wilderness as He is here today. But, verse 5 says, With most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And so what he is saying is that just an external participation in the church, in the community of God, is not enough. It's not the guarantee or the foundation of your salvation. And so he's telling the Corinthians to beware, to take heed, and to examine themselves. Don't assume. Because he sees sinful behavior in the lives of the Corinthians, and he compares that to the sins recorded in Israel's history. And he says, be careful that you do not fall like Israel. We have the privilege to live in the presence of the Almighty God the covenant-making and keeping God. But along with that comes the high responsibility to live a life dedicated, consecrated to God. And God often sends trials to test us and to show us if we are anchored in Him through Christ or not. Satan tries to draw us away from Him with his temptations. And this comparison that Paul makes is very important because he establishes that connection between the Old Testament church and the New Testament church in Corinth and here today, which means that what follows also applies to us in the New Testament. As you see in the third place, the examples. Paul gives here several specific examples or illustrations of the trials and the temptations under which Israel fell, and which we can face ourselves. In verse 6, Paul says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. By examples, Calvin says they're illustrations of what will happen to us if we make the same mistakes. If we design a barn that is not suited for snow load and we build it here where we get snow, it's going to collapse. It's as simple as that. Many Israelites fell, just like the houses that was built on the sand because they did not obey God's word. Verse 6 says they coveted. Which commandment is that? The tenth. We heard last week how in Psalm 78 explained how they, they doubted God. And they tempted Him, or they, they grieved Him, and they said, He gave us water from the rock, but can He also give us bread and meat? They were not satisfied. In Numbers 11, verse 4, it, it shows the history of this, and it says they yielded to intense craving. That's their covetousness. They remembered the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. They remembered all the good food they had in Egypt. And they wanted that again. And they craved it, and they coveted it. They were not satisfied with what God gave them in the wilderness. And they doubted His ability to provide for them where He was leading them. So the question for us today is where do we doubt? Where do we doubt God? What are we craving for or coveting in this world that does not belong to the Christians, that God says leave it behind? Where are we doubting that God can provide for us in our lives and in our church? Are we satisfied with the spiritual food and drink that God supplies for us? And if we lack, if we thirst, if we hunger, Do we seek it with his word and prayer? Because blessed are those who hunger and thirst after his righteousness. But here you could translate that to say, cursed are those who covet after the things of the world, who covet of the things of Egypt from which God has delivered you. So we need to be careful because in Psalm 106, verse 15, it says, When they lusted, God gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. You might get what you want, but it'll come at a cost. God sent them their request in, in, in the wilderness for meat. Those those birds, those quails that came flying. But because of their greed, because of their coveting, God punished them. And Numbers eleven verse thirty three says, While the meat was still in their teeth, God destroyed the ones who yielded to their cravings. The greedy ones, the lusting ones. The danger of temptation, these storms, is that we yield to our sinful cravings instead of trusting God. Like the roof that collapsed, that yielded, is what it's called when it it gives way under the weight of the the load of the pressure. And we yield, we give in to our sinful cravings, into the temptations in the world that draw us. God might let you have what you want, but your hearts will be left cold, dead, empty. And so Paul is saying to us here, prepare your heart against covetousness by a grateful and a prayerful dependence on God who supplies all your needs. Does he not say he is faithful? And does he not say, Call upon me, and I will open the storehouses of heaven to supply all your needs. Open wide thy mouth, and I will fill it. Verse 7 says they engaged in idolatry. What commandment is that? The second. This refers especially to the golden calf in, in the wilderness. And Paul is speaking here to the Corinthians who participated in the activities in the pagan temple. But as it says here, and in Exodus 32, it says, Israel sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That means they they were having fellowship, participating in the tables, the the meals with these idols, with the people who worshipped them participating in that communion. Then they rose up to play. They participated in their sinful behavior and their actions. In in, in the wilderness, it was sinful dancing and behavior. They're drawn along with that atmosphere, with these festivities. Even though the Corinthians would and could say that they don't worship the idols themselves. They don't even believe in idols. But because of their involvement, Paul here in verse 14 says, Flee from idolatry. So we need to ask ourselves where do we place ourselves where we are at risk of being drawn into the temptation to sin? What do you participate in that will carry you along with that atmosphere that this world so likes to hype up in the festivities and especially in the immorality that this world has? How do you distinguish yourself as a covenant community in this world? How do you distinguish yourself as a covenant child of God? What do we worship by our involvement? Even though we say we're Christians. Yes, our culture looks a little different than it did in first century Rome. But we serve the same God. And we live in the same sinful world. And it says 3,000 Israelites died. Verse 8. So Paul is saying, prepare your heart against all idolatry and worship the one true God alone in our hearts, in our lives. Verse 8 says he committed sexual immorality. Seventh commandment. You may remember the story of when Balaam, God would not allow Balaam to curse the nation But in the end, he he told Balak, the king, to trick Israel and invite them to their feasts. And that worked. The people more than willing to come and have a meal with them. But then they also indulge in the sexual immorality that followed. That was 3,400 years ago. The Corinthians were being drawn into these same types of sins. 1,970 years ago approximately because they went to the idol temples and this immorality was present there and this sin was in the church. How are you and I drawn into various forms of immorality today here in 2022? whether it's on our phones or computers, whether it's at work, whether we're invited to parties with unbelievers like Israel was and like the Corinthians were. This world is so obsessed, so indoctrinated, so saturated with immorality and pornography. Almost every advertisement has some provocative image because they know That's what draws your attention. But God sent a plague that killed over 23,000 Israelites. How much damage is being done in our lives? Under these storms of temptations. How about in our families? Extended families and church. Satan is seeking to destroy the church of Christ because he cannot reach Christ who is in heaven. The Bible makes clear that Satan is out to seek and to destroy the church, destroying men and women, destroying the office bearers, destroying the church. He doesn't want it here. What is he doing in your life to keep you from being faithful, committed, active in the church and in your family for God. Paul says, Prepare to face these storms of trials and temptations. Fill your heart with the Word of God. Confide in one another as the church. Build one another up. Hold each other accountable. Confide in each other. Find someone who you can talk to. Let it out. Confess your faults one to another and before God. Live in purity. Live in holiness. Verse 9, Paul says they tempted Christ. Again, this shows such a close connection that Paul is making between us and the Israelites and the and the, and the Corinthians. They had Christ in prophetic form, the tabernacle, everything pointed to Christ. We have Christ revealed in the Scriptures. But here Israel became so discouraged and impatient because God made them take a detour, a long detour through the wilderness, around the land of Moab, and Even if your children, if you show them the the map in the back of your Bible that shows the wilderness wanderings, they'll they'll ask, why did they not just go here from Egypt right into Canaan? Isn't that shorter? But the line shows they came and then they went all the way back down and around. God's providence, Moab would not let them through. God said, You're not allowed to fight them. But you have to go back down, you have to make a detour. Take the long way around through the desert and come back up. What did Israel do? They complained. They blasphemed God. They criticized Moses, their leaders. They became discontent with the daily blessings. They despised that manna and called it worthless bread. How many times have, has God sent us on a detour Trials that that make it seem like our lives are turned back. We have to go the long way around. Will we remain standing when those floods rise up in our soul? Will we submit to God and follow Him like Israel was to follow Moses and the cloud of God's leading? Will we give thanks to God for the many blessings He bestows on us? Do we tempt Christ when these storms smash against our walls and we face these detours? Prepare to face these trials by the grace and faith in God's leading, knowing, believing that God has a purpose for you. Verse 10 says they complain. And they grumbled. They did not follow God with a willing heart. But they resisted God. You remember in Philippians 2 how we looked at that verse where it says, Do all things without complaining, without disputing or arguing, without grumbling under our breath about what is happening in my life. Israel did this. Many times. They complained about Moses and Aaron being their leader. There's a group that rose up and tried to rebel and replace Moses. In Numbers 26, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram contended against God when they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And the earth opened up and swallowed them and their families. And fire came down and consumed 250 of their followers. Paul himself had to defend his own ministry among the Corinthians. They didn't believe him. Israel grumbled when they realized, when they finally got to the land of Canaan, they, the spies said, they're, they're "There are giants, there's so many enemies in there, we can never fight them. Israel grumbled. They did not want to go and fight. They complained instead of trusting God and following His way. Our journey can be long. It can be tiring. But prepare to face the temptations, the temptation to complain and to grumble in our heart against the way God leads us. Therefore, verse 12, let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. Be prepared to weather these storms that you will face in your life because trials and temptations will test that foundation on which you stand. And that brings us to our last thought, the purpose. Paul's warning is given so that we will stand in the hour of trial. Paul's purpose for his church as it is for us to preach to you today and to myself is that we would stand by the grace of God in the hour of temptation take heed not to fall the purpose is so that we can face these temptations and not fall because we know that the wicked one is fighting against every one of you wanting to take your soul, the souls of your children, to draw them away so they don't listen and they don't hear and they don't obey. But Paul says, stand in the faith and the grace of God. If our trust is only shell deep, if the structure is only man-made, if our religion is no deeper than our suits, they won't stand up to these spiritual storms. But God is faithful to us and our children. Israel took pride in their standing before God. They were God's people, they said. They had Abraham as a father and the promises to Abraham and to his children. But because of their disobedience, many perished in the wilderness and never entered the promised land. They had the promise, so close, but they never entered the promised land. The Corinthians, in a very similar way, have the same covenant promises. But in a very similar way, many were living in a life of disobedience, trusting their own wisdom, trusting in the fact that they were members of the church, baptized, partaking of the Lord's Supper. But their life was mixed with sin, with idolatry, ongoing And so Paul is saying, be careful, look out, that you do not fall. Our strength does not come from ourselves, but from Christ through faith. Like sap that flows up through the vine into the branches, that union with Christ is so critical. His Spirit is needed but paul is saying there's some who think they stand in that union but their lives reveal that they are mistaken there's a false security and so paul says make sure make sure you are grounded in and rooted in Christ by faith because when those storms come whether it be a trial of sickness a trials that God sends to test your faith, or whether it be a temptation that Satan seeks to rip you out away from God, the only way you can stand is on the rock, Christ Jesus. And the only way you know you are grounded in Christ is like the wise man who hears God's Word and does it. The examples of the Israelites revealed where they disobeyed God and were punished. They did not trust God in the specific circumstances they faced those many years ago. How we live, what we participate in, what we live for, reveals what is in our heart. But Paul is saying, take heed not to fall. Remain steadfast in Christ, because it is in Him alone. He is alone, able to keep you from falling. And so he says, take it all to Christ. Every trial, every sin, every temptation. Don't let them tempt you. Don't let them crush you. Don't let them destroy you, because Christ has won this battle. Christ has overcome Satan. Christ has overcome the world, and it is through His blood that His people overcome this world. And so, what storms, what trials, what temptations are you facing even today, now, here in BC, in Canada? We know the political climate is changing, and we look to God to direct it for us. Heavier storm loads could easily be in the forecast, but we know weather forecasts are so often wrong. But are we prepared? Are you prepared? Some little wind gusts and some rainstorms blew through the country in the last two years. Many spiritual foundations were shaken. Many religious roofs collapsed. And if we had such a difficult time as churches and as families and individuals, when our comforts were challenged a little, when our freedoms were pinched a little, and when our borders were narrowed a little, when our paths were turned on a bit of a detour, then Paul says, take heed, you who think you stand when these winds pick up again. What temptations you face personally today. How many sins you find rising up in your hearts, being drawn out by the circumstances, sins of pride, sins of anger, sins of selfishness, sins of greed, sins of disunity, sins of coveting. How much do we tempt Christ when our life goes differently than we expect? How much do we complain when Christ leads us in paths that we do not want? How much are we attached to the idols of this world? How much do we lust and crave after the immorality of this world? How is God telling you to prepare today? You who think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Paul is pressing us to make sure that we stay standing firm in Christ. Paul says it himself, and Psalm 78 said it last week, God remains faithful. Verse 13, it's in him alone that we can stand these trials and these temptations. God alone can keep us standing when the real storms hit our churches. When the real storms hit us personally like they are hitting our brother Jack right now. How can we stand but by the grace of God? What trials are we to prepare for in our context? No, we're not likely to be burned at the stake, tortured, as in other time periods. But they are real. The temptations and the trials are real. And God's Word is our guide then as it is now. God is our strength and refuge and ever-present help in trouble. And He's our strength and support in every trial, and that's what we One to get to in verse 13, but we have to wait till next week. Amen.